Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and so glad you've tuned in today here. Uh, we're going to take a look this hour at, my goodness, uh, we're going to take a look at what's happening in the world and why it is so important for us as Christians to not only understand what the Lord's Prayer means, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but actually to see that come about because of the way we are praying. Um, I've got a special author, Mike Thompson, is going to join me in the second half hour of the program today to get into the nuts and bolts of that. But first, as a precursor as to why we need this, I think we're all getting used to now. I mean, I I don't ever want to get used to it, but (laughs) I, I... I think we're all becoming more familiar with the fact that um, there's spiritual warfare happening, number one, in the culture. But secondly, and this is as important, I believe, as we were talking to Rick Pearson yesterday, uh, talking about the, uh, the, the last exodus. We, we have to take responsibility here in this country for the reality that not only are we living in dangerous spiritual times because of spiritual warfare, But also, let's remember, we serve a holy and sovereign God. And for many, many years in this country, I honestly believe this, we have had kind of a dichotomy, a paradox, if you will, happening culturally when it comes to morals and values. On the one hand, the vast majority of Americans accepted that the Bible was the moral standard for life, that God and the God of the Bible, the God of the creator of the universe, was the the main man. Uh, even to the point where you look at the the legal system, and let's let's take a look at you know say the Ten Commandments. Now they square up with the the laws of this land. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, well that's just kind of a given. We you know the in the Declaration of Independence, the the framers, the founders, if you will, said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are endowed with certain inalienable or unalienable rights by their creator, and they include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So putting to other gods before him. And then you could just go right on down the line in terms of lying and stealing and adultery and murder, and etc. It's all right there. And most of the time we understood that this was, in fact, the, the, the biblical model on, upon which we operated. Now, understanding, of course, that that didn't mean that everybody always lived like that. Quite the opposite in some cases. But the, the, the key component is when we were living in what many people would call Christian America. Christian America had a biblical worldview. Right and wrong was defined by the tenets of Scripture. It didn't mean that people were all goody two-shoes and that anybody who called themselves a Christian got a pass. It just meant that what we established was a moral code and we had laws that backed it up, but the driving force was to say that we don't get our laws from our rights from the government, but we are just, our laws and rights rather, are representative of what God has done for us and what he ascribes to us as well. You know, it's, it's that little subtle fine-tuned point. If you see, for example, you can get a Protestant and a Catholic in the room, and maybe an evangelical Christian and someone who's part of the Roman Catholic Church, and they'll have the conversation that invariably Protestants and Catholics would have uh, as to regard to works and losing your salvation versus God's grace and never losing your salvation. And there are some evangelical circles that say, this is great, Jesus paid it all, so I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to keep living my life, be American, be a good person, vote, pay my taxes, etc. But I really don't have to do anything because Jesus did all the work on the cross. That hyper grace, if you will, um, doesn't take into consideration that Scripture itself in James, I believe James chapter 2, uh, when he talks the whole thing about you say you have faith, uh, I'll show you my faith by the fact that I have deeds. And then he talks about, you say, you believe in God? Good, even the demons believe in God and they shudder in his presence. I mean, you can't just say, I believe in God, I'm good with the man upstairs, et cetera, et cetera, and expect everything to turn out okay. There has to be some kind of action that goes into it. In other words, it takes faith, the gift of faith, which I believe is a gift of God, to receive the gift of salvation. But once you do receive that gift of faith, if you don't put it into practice, it's worthless. My friend... A colleague, Pastor Rob Warren at Lutheran Church of the Cross, uses the million dollars in the bank analogy, and I think it's a it's a brilliant one. 
you know, the idea that you could drive past any bank and you realize you, you know, most people think as long as there's a hundred bucks in there for me to take out of the ATM or if I write a check or make a payment online, I just want to make sure that my money's in there. I don't care about everybody else's. But when you think about the thousands of accounts that they have, maybe the branch doesn't have that much money. Maybe it does. But if I told you as we were driving down the road, passed a bank and said, you know, there's several million dollars in that bank. You'd probably agree with me. Oh, yeah, they got the big vault. It's kind of cool. And then I could also say, but what if I told you there's an account in there with $5 million and that account has your name on it? You're the only one who's allowed to withdraw that money. So, again, you're going to the source where there is money. And there's an account available for you through no work that you have done, but through the work that the one who provides it has done. And all you have to do is walk into the bank and say, hi, I'm Roger Marsh. I'd like to make a withdrawal from my account. That's the analogy that he uses to explain the faith and salvation and all that stuff component. Well, what's interesting about this to me is if you could have an evangelical Christian and a Catholic sitting on the, uh, at a table across from each other having that conversation, the evangelical would be more inclined to believe that than the Catholic because the Catholic would say, well, I have to do something. You know, my faith doesn't become real until I'm in the water of baptism and come up and then I get into the sacraments and all seven of them. And the evangelical might say, wait, I thought it was communion and baptism and those are the sacraments. That's what sets us apart. And they start talking about marriage in the Catholic Church and other things. It's like, wait, that, I mean, marriage is a sacred covenant between a man and a wife and God, but is it a sacrament? I mean, because the sacraments, the way I understand them, and this would be me, innocently enough, saying, I understand the sacraments are universal. I mean, anybody who is a Christ follower will engage in the sacraments. And so baptism and the Eucharist, are communion, are things that anybody could do, whether you're young, old, married, male, female, <laughs> divorced, it doesn't matter. I mean, you could do it. Whereas the Catholic Church would say, oh, no, 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 no. There'd be some disagreement. But all of the disagreements that I just mentioned are based on morality that is rooted in scripture and we could go on for days weeks months debating the merits of either side what's happening in the culture now and ironically one of the guys who's part of the christian progressive movement is the guy i learned this from uh phil visher the co-creator of veggie tales uh, has the holy was it the holy podcast i think it is the holy ghost podcast something anyway he said america used to be a christian nation then it went to becoming an, uh, a post-Christian nation, and now it's an anti-Christian nation. So we went from the Bible was the standard. So basically, here's how you know the Bible was the standard. If the Bible is the standard for living, and America is founded on Christian principles, but we actively employ the buying and selling of human beings, then we're not really a Christian nation yet, until we pass laws that forced people to say, okay, slavery is bad. And then you talk about the women's vote and you look at the way Jesus treated both men and women and young and old. And all of a sudden you begin to realize that if we really are a Christian nation, we're going to have a lot more biblical values show up in our culture. But there are a lot of people who aren't Christian who still live in this culture. Well, here's where the, the morals and values part has changed. It was understood when you looked at God's word, the Holy Scripture, that the Bible is the Bible. The Bible is the inerrant word of God. And you could read things in the Bible and go, wow, I don't understand why this country went to war with that country. Or why did that young woman get sexually assaulted by that guy? Or why did Samson have his eyes gouged out? Or, you know, why, why was John boiled in oil in Patmos? I mean, there are a lot of things that happened in scripture where people treated people horribly. I mean, you talk about the, the Old Testament where the, the uh, whoever's took on the whoever else's and the whoever's won, and then the whoever else's all were brought with, with at one point in Israel, there were this existence early on, there were like seven kings that were brought before the king of Israel, and all of them had their thumbs and big toes cut off. I mean, so they just kind of have to shuffle around. They couldn't pick up anything. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't hurt anybody. In some cases, they'd gouge their eyes out. I mean, that's cruel. It's vulgar. It's violent. But it really happened. And this is the Bible. This is the word of God. So there have been so many people in the Christian community that have been jumping up and down and saying, hey, you know, these gay novels and these homoerotic uh, books and, and these, you know, let's get the 
lesbian teacher reading the My Two Moms book to her five-year-olds. That's just grooming and it's inappropriate and it's absolutely wrong. So um, it's interesting. One state actually went so far as to pass a bill. House Bill uh, 374 was signed into law in March of 2022 in the state of Utah. It's called the Sensitive Materials in Schools Act. And it was designed to require public schools to prohibit, quote, pornographic or indecent material. It was introduced by Republican State Representative Ken Ivory, who uh, gave an interview to Fox News. And he said, you know, we put this into use because there were so many different, you know, horrible things that were showing up in public school libraries that we just we wanted to make sure that the kids were, you know, per protected from that and that parents had a legal foot to stand on well now there's one book that has been banned from one school district using that very same law but um apparently it's because a parent an unidentified parent actually submitted a complaint to the school district and they said i i there's something wrong with this list of books that have been banned from the public, from our school library, because this is what we're trying to get out of the public schools. We're trying to get uh, incest and bestiality and prostitution and genital mutilation, rape, even infanticide. We need to get this porn out of our schools. But you know what they were referring to? The King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. They actually tried to use this law to remove the Bible because one parent complained that this is, quote, one of the most sex-ridden books ever written. written. Well, parents are starting to speak out now against the district and against the policy. And basically, I, it looks like we have a very strong chance that common sense might actually prevail. We'll take a look at what the parents are doing to fight back. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and yes, they did that. Yes, they went there. Um, yes, they did actually try to ban the Bible from public schools. Utah families are up in arms in Utah's Davis School District because a bill that was passed in March of 2022 called the Sensitive Materials in Schools Act uh, that requires public schools to, quote, prohibit pornographic or indecent material is now being used by one parent who complained to the school district that the Bible actually has far worse descriptions and graphics and this, that, and the other thing as these other schools, these other books. Now, are we denying that God's holy word does in fact make reference to sexual assault, incest, prostitution, genital mutilation, <coughs> rape, infanticide? Not arguing that. Bestiality, also mentioned. Now, they went so far as to talk about oral sex, uh, sex toys, things of that nature. I'll be honest with you. I don't see that in Scripture. But nonetheless, I mean, if you see it, drop me a line, roger at thebottomlineshow.com. I'd, like uh, I'd like to 
<laughs> I'd like to have a look at that. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Christopher Williams is a representative for the Davis School District in Utah. And he gave an interview to Fox News Digital and said the King James Version of the Bible has been removed in seven of the eight schools in the district by a sensitive materials review committee. The committee's members are unidentified, but the district policies requires that it be constituted of district department or school administrator, an English language arts teacher or other relevant subject, a librarian working in the district, and four parents who have students who are currently enrolled in the district. Casey Meehan, who's the director of Penn America's Freedom uh, to Read Project, told Fox News Digital that, quote, the removal highlights the chilling impact that book bans are having on schools, where a complaint from any side can become grounds for removing access to a book. Quote, the growing movement toward educational censorship fueled by vague legislation has made it clear that no book, no matter its obvious cultural or academic merit, is exempt from being removed or restricted. Now, um, the parent who complained identifies as a Christian but says he does not uh, go to church. Now, the, uh, the, the, another parent who's speaking out who's also in a similar boat, says, I think this is ridiculous. I mean, if you look at the context in those words, and, and this is a very interesting point, the context of what is written in God's word with regard to prostitution or rape or references to genital mutilation or things of that nature, I mean, those are stated very factually. You know, if a man is a eunuch because something happened and his body was, you know, crushed or whatever... There, there, there was a woman by the name of Rahab and she was a prostitute. I mean, there, there are references to these things and there's all sorts of context. To insinuate that the Bible making reference to these points is on par with the girl, uh, the 15-year-old girl. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about her Alliance Defending Freedom is handling her case. Aunt Ben Ridsby uh, was with us and he was talking about the fact, or Sisney rather, and he was talking about the fact that this girl 15 years of age in a public school, I think in Texas, um, was forced by her teacher to read a sexually explicit poem written by another classmate, a female classmate who identifies as same-sex attracted and basically had to explain why she would not place a part of her body on a male part of the body and, and read this in front of the class. And this is, I mean... Talk about trying to work your way around book bans. They, okay, kids, why don't you write some homoerotic uh, po uh, poetry and then we'll have the other kids read it. See, we didn't have to ban the books after all. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling to see what's happening in these systems where basically um, the, the school districts are doing what they can to try to not get sued and to stay politically correct. And the reality is they're not succeeding very well. I want to take a quick break, though, and, and as we get back into this, I want to talk about uh, why this is crucial for us as Christians to not just poo-poo, but to actually address, because it, it dovetails nicely in a, in a prayer that we are called to pray and the way that we are called to live in the culture right now Understanding, of course, that the culture is simultaneously dying off in some places, but being renewed and restored in others. Let's talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, we were taking a look at the Davis School District in Utah. This is the school district that actually uh, had passed. There was a law that was passed in the state that makes it illegal to use, um, well, what's the you know, sexually explicit or pornographic material or something like that in schools. It, it's a good sounding bill. There are so many runaway, out of control school districts and educators who have gone rogue and renegade that it's a shame that we even have to have a law that says you can't have vulgarity or violence in a book, uh, especially when you're trying to do something that's age appropriate. A guy named Colton Lindsay is the parent of a 10-year-old daughter who attends a school in the district. He said the idea of the bill was to stop from conditioning our children to different values and beliefs than we what, what we want. 
Uh, he said his daughter came home from school one day and she had a book and it was about a 10-year-old girl who had a crush on another 10-year-old girl. And he said, wait, I'm going to complain to the school district. That's not right. That shouldn't be in these you know, formative books. At the same time, though, um, the school district also removed copies of the King James Bible from every school in the elementary and middle school ranks. It's only accessible in public high schools in Davis School District in Utah. Now, I want to let's let's put this in perspective here, because brothers and sisters, it's not that the day will come. It's here where censorship is going to show up in a big way. It's going to be tougher and tougher for us as Christians to access God's word. If you do not have a printed copy of God's word in your home, you need to get one immediately. Because, well, I can just get it on my phone. Not so fast. You're going to wind up with a copy of God's word that isn't the actual text. We're going to go from having all these U versions and all these websites and all these different opportunities. You know, what language would you like? And you got 15,000 different languages and translations, maybe not that many, to 20 people in a candlelit room huddled around one copy of scripture that may or may not have every page in it. You know, but it's interesting because. I understand the tit-for-tat nature. Here's a parent who's trying to make a point. Let the kids read the books. It's no big deal. Well, the Bible has references to it too. So why should we let the Bible get off easy? Well, here's the reason why, sir or madam, who actually filed the complaint. The reason is because the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Whether you believe it or not, it is. And there was a time when our culture understood this. Now our culture just looks at it as another book. It's another piece of literature. And some homoerotic classic novel, if you will, where kids are reading, I mean, in great detail about he did this and she did this and bang, 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 compared to, you know, uh, Tamar was uh, overpowered by her brother. That's the whole reference. We know what happened. They don't have to go into great detail. It's not some snuff film on Netflix where you get, you know, you take that one scene and it becomes an eight part series. It's a reference. You see references in scripture to you should not have uh, sexual relations with an animal. All the Bible mentions bestiality, so we have to ban it. When, God forbid, there might be some children's book, I Love My Puppy or something. You know, I'm just, I can't even believe I said that, but I mean, that's where the left is. The left is tit for tat, but here's the thing. Progressives and leftists are living in a temporal world. It's all about law. It's all about what's right in front of you. It's all about what's tangible, what you can see, what you can hold, what you can express, what you can touch. But as Christians, we live in two worlds. World number one is sure we're here, sure as I'm sitting here behind a microphone, having a conversation with you today here on the Bottom Line Show, sure, sure as you are listening on the radio or listening online, maybe you have earbuds in, maybe you're driving in the car, whatever you're doing, those are temporal realities that we all deal with. But we are also spiritual people. We interact with people at church over the weekend or maybe in our homes. Maybe everybody in the family is a Christian. Maybe some of them are not. You might be the only one. So we have this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven mentality. And yet... How much time are we going to spend? How much oxygen are we going to give? How much fuel for the fire of the temporal world without recognizing the heavenly perspective that we need to keep? Uh, Mike Thompson spent 30 years in ministry until uh, about 13 years ago. He had an experience that changed his life forever because the Holy Spirit brought him up to heaven. And there he was in the presence of the Lord and his angels. And the Lord taught him something about what he calls third heaven authority. Mike Thompson says that he discovered how to pray from heaven's perspective and not just from our own tangible. And you know, let's face it, we all have our tangible ones. We've got the grace prayer, right? Uh, God, thank you for this day. Wonderful time to be with these friends. Bless this food. You know, you, you know the prayer. And then there's the prayer for healing prayer. My son is sick. My daughter's dying, you know, whatever it is. And then there's the, God, we just praise you because we paid off our church's mortgage prayer, whatever. They, I mean, they're kind of standard. But what does it really mean to think about spiritual warfare? What does it mean to think about, hey, what was the last time we asked God to bring his angels into our daily affairs um, and how they help us fight against demonic spirits and influences? 
Uh, Mike Thompson says that he was given the assignment by the Lord to teach people about what he calls third heaven authority. And so Mike has been doing that for the better part of the past decade. He wrote a book on this subject called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective. And we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Mike Thompson is going to get into this with us. And we've got a copy or two of his book to give away. Uh, so if you want, since you know it's the first half hour, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. I'm sorry, I've got to check the prize list here and find out how many copies of the book we have to give away because I know it's going to be popular and I didn't bring that in. So I'm going on the computer right now. <laughs> I didn't bring it in with me. Okay, we have two copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line again. Uh, the book by Mike Thompson is called Third Heaven Authority. You're going to love it. Mike's going to join me on the other side of this break to uh, describe his near-death experience and to talk about Third Heaven Authority. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You've been in an accident, and the worst thing you can do is to wait to contact Stephanie at Cover Law. Stephanie frequently talks to people who waited too long to seek help with their cases or tried to handle them on their own, and by then, it's too late. Family and friends mean well, but they can give truly bad advice. Often even trusted advisors will try and convince you to wait for more compensation. Stephanie knows the insurance companies want you to wait. They don't want you to file police reports, and they don't want you to reach out to Stephanie at Cover Law. That's because Stephanie is keenly aware of the tactics they use and why. She spent 20 years litigating for insurance companies and knows the strategy they will use to minimize their liability and your awarded amount. Insurance companies are for profit. They don't share Stephanie's Christian values, and typically they won't be fair to you. Don't deny yourself the ability to get better. Go with a proven expert in the field of personal injury and contact Cover Law at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R today. Well, today on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a conversation about the supernatural authority that Christ has given each one of us as Christians. Now, if you are not part of a Pentecostal tradition, for example, you may say, well, now, wait a minute, what do you mean supernatural authority? I'm just trying to live out my life with fear and trembling and be the best man of God or woman of God that I'm called to be. But I've brought a special guest in uh, today to have a conversation with us about um what he calls the third heaven authority and discovering how to pray from heaven's perspective. Mike Thompson is my guest. Uh, Mike has his uh, degree from uh, in Bible theology from International Seminary. The graduate work in Christian counseling has a certificate from Rama Bible Training Center. Um, and he has spent about 40 years of full-time ministry experience. But it was something that happened at the 30-year mark that we're going to talk about today. Mike, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Oh, thank you so much, Roger. It is so good to be here. I'll bet. I mean, you obviously are a changed man, and this is besides the fact that the Lord got a hold of your life and you've been in ministry for 40 years. Uh, kind of give us a, a perspective on what those first couple of decades of ministry were like before we get into what happened in 2010. Sure. In fact, uh, as of this year, it's 45 years full-time ministry for my wife and I. Praise God. And so, uh, well, we started with a bang, so to speak. Uh, we came out of the charismatic renewal and a lot of uh, just move of the Spirit of God, um, studied the Word of God, and then we went full-time into the ministry. The first year was traveling ministry, and then after that was more pastoral ministry with a lot of other outreaches, etc. And we always had uh, an anointing and the presence of God on us. Uh, we always in our services would not only preach Jesus Christ and bring people to the Lord, but also to pray for the sick. Uh, we saw a lot of miracles, a lot of supernatural things that always happened to us. But it was in 2010 that I had that experience that this book is written about, Third Heaven Authority. A lot of people say, well, what is that? Third <laughs> Heaven question, and Authority yeah. and all these kind of things. Well, I'll jump to the end of the experience and say that the Lord spoke to me in this encounter, and he said, I want you to teach third heaven authority to my people. Now, I'd never heard that phrase before ever in my entire life. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but there it was from the lips of Jesus. So that's what I've been endeavoring to do. Okay. And one of the things that the Lord told me at that particular point is he said that from this point forward, that was in uh, 2010, that there's going to be a drastic increase in a lot of supernatural experiences where people will be hearing from God, mm -hmm. people will be going to heaven and coming back. Uh, there'll be so many of those kind of experiences. He said they're going to really increase. But he said it's also going to increase on the dark side when we're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, witchcraft and sorcery and new sure. ageism and the list goes on. And so he said that the power uh, I, of this, of third heaven authority, I want my people to know because uh, I'm bigger than and my church is bigger than all of the things on the dark side. Amen. So that encounter was where the Lord just actually took me to heaven, Roger. Mm, I and that. I experienced these things. And so um, I I'll say this, if I could give just a quick first part of that yeah. encounter. Sure. Is I was standing before the throne and, of Jesus. Mm. And the very first thing that I felt was complete love, acceptance, and value. It was so remarkable. It's what I call the hooks of the spiritual atmosphere around the earth coming out of me. Mm. You know, I, I teach, I believe uh, that the first heaven is the universe, the physical universe okay. itself of which okay. the earth is. Second heaven is the spiritual atmosphere that coexists surrounding that first heaven. Third heaven is the dwelling place of God, throne room, departed okay. saints going there. And so uh, the Apostle Paul, even in 2 Corinthians 12, first four verses, talking about himself, says, I know a man, but going to third heaven. So I recognized all of that. But the first thing is I felt complete love, acceptance, and value. And then the Lord turned me around, and I saw like a portal in the floor that I had to look through. And I looked down from third heaven through the second heaven atmosphere into the first heaven. And I saw that prayer meeting down below that I had been in when this encounter started. Interesting. And the Lord said, launch your warfare from here. So third heaven authority is heaven's perspective of what is going on on the earth. It's all about our perspective. We are human spirits living in human bodies mm -hmm. filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have the ability, Roger, to not only what I learned in all those earlier years of ministry, to walk in power and spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. Jesus told his disciples in Luke, he said, behold, I give unto you authority over all the power of the enemy. Amen. And that's great. And operating in, in Matthew 28, he said, behold, I, all authority has been given unto me both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go. So we have some earthly authority. I describe all these things very well in my book. Uh, there's earthly authority, man's authority. There's spiritual authority of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where he said that uh, we could pray for the sick, that we can rebuke devils, we yeah. bind, we can loose. Um, but here I am in heaven doing this from a different perspective. I'm not on earth looking up from earth's perspective, trying to engage heaven or on a linear level bumping up against these things, but from heaven's perspective, looking down. Mm. And that's what I wish all of the listeners to really grasp. There's a place in God, and I spend such detail and so many scriptures going through this entire thing in my book, Third Heaven Authority by Mike Thompson, uh, in order to to just step-by-step step carry believers through the whole process because every single person can do it. But the Lord told me in that encounter, he said, you have been highly successful until now, but yet I show you a better way. Hmm. You will be more successful. You'll be able to teach people how to gain more victory and success and impact through their prayer life. You'll teach them how to just rise up and walk in their human life 
in everything they do from a different perspective, because the Holy Spirit has the ability in every believer to raise them up and do that from a supernatural position, a heavenly position in Christ. Wow, this is powerful testimony from Mike Thompson today here on The Bottom Line. Third Heaven Authority is the title of the book, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We'll talk about that, the role of angels and spiritual warfare against demonic spirits and and the influences uh, that Jesus gave Mike in his assignment. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues in just a moment. Mike Thompson is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Mike's a Bible teacher. He's an evangelist. He's a a remarkable man of God. He's served in pastoral ministry and uh, 45 years of marriage to his wife, C.K. uh, He is the author of a brand new book called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective. Uh, We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mike, before the break, you were describing basically something. Someone might say, wait, I'm not charismatic. This doesn't make any sense to me. This would never happen to me. And yet, if we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we already have a cursory knowledge of what you're talking about with third heaven authority. Talk about what the role that angels play. You mentioned there's kind of a demonic warfare aspect of what you're talking about here, and we're seeing this all over the place in the culture. Talk about what you mean by the role the angels play. Ah, yes. And indeed, I do have a chapter that very much in the book dealing with angels. But angels, angels are enforcers. They're they're also messengers. There are many different kinds of angels, by the way. The Bible talks about messenger angels. Uh, It appears that Gabriel uh, is the head of the messenger angels. It talks about war angels uh, that Michael seems to be Mm -hmm. the head of. It talks about... um, angels who actually empower us and strengthen us. They're guardian angels, different kinds of angels. Uh, And they minister to us, the scripture declares. They minister for those who shall be the heirs of salvation. But they are really powerfully involved. And that's one of the things that I witnessed during that encounter, Roger, when I was talking about it in heaven, and I was looking down and the Lord said to me, launch your warfare from here from Mm -hmm. this position with this perspective, Mm -hmm. who you are, free from all of those, uh, you know, the grief and the condemnation and the fear and all the other stuff that we have to battle with here on the earth. It was all gone. Mm -hmm. So I had complete boldness and sense of authority. And uh, he said, launch your warfare from here. So as I began to pray, then an angel from the throne room, like on my right side, because there were many angels that were surrounding the throne. And then one would shoot down like lightning from heaven. And then Mm. I would pray some more. And another from another position would shoot down like lightning from heaven. And when that entire encounter was over, I stood up and the Lord walked over to me. And that's when he gave me the commission. He said, your assignment teach third heaven authority to my people. But he said, angels are much more involved in spiritual warfare than you could ever imagine. Yes, they help us. They orchestrate events in our lives. They do so many things, but they're involved more than we could ever imagine in spiritual warfare. And I saw a lot of this as those angels were beginning to push back the dark forces when I was praying. I was praying about a specific situation I described in my book that was going on on the earth at that time. I saw great benefit from it, um, but those angels are there. They protect us. They guard us. They orchestrate. And, you know, they literally, here's one of the things that I saw, is that when I was praying from heaven, the words of the Lord were coming into my back, resonating inside of me, and then coming out of my mouth. Hmm. and angels were responding, and I realized, and I think the Lord told me this, he said, the angels hearken unto my word, even when it comes out of a believer's mouth. Isn't that something? We have power and authority, and man, I can tell you, I hope that every listener buys this book, because it'll transform your prayer life, not only your prayer life and the effectiveness of that prayer life, but it'll also give you a spiritual swagger. 
Mm. I, I'm talking, yes, it's in humility, but understanding who Jesus literally created us to be and who we are in him. You know, wow. you mentioned, well, Mike, you mentioned that swagger. I'm talking with Mike Thompson today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is called Third Heaven Authority, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. There's a big difference between confidence and arrogance. And yeah. arrogance, of course, coming from, you know, the pit of hell, the enemy, the world. Confidence coming from, let us now approach the throne of grace with confidence. It's everything you're talking about. So if there's a little swagger on that, why not? I mean, it should be <laughs> it, it should be that kind of confidence. And I can tell as you're sharing your story about being brought up into this into the Lord's presence and, and, and brought back to us to share this good news, there's a confidence you have too that's based in that firm foundation upon which you're standing. Oh, absolutely. Because our perspective, the way that we as believers look at ourselves in today's world and the experiences that we have, uh, the Lord commissioned me to help every believer change that perspective. Amen. Instead of being under the circumstances is to be above the circumstances. Because yes. it says yes. in Ephesians 1 that Jesus was lifted up high above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And then a few verses down in the second chapter, it says, and he has raised us up and seated us together with him in those heavenly places. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We can Hallelujah. do it, man. I think so. Mike Thompson is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Third Heaven Authority is the name of the brand new book. We've got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mike, take the last couple of minutes of our time together to exhort us to experience this. Not that we can will God to bring, you know, give the same experience you had. That uh, That's not for right. us to determine. But how can we live in this Third Heaven Authority today just as you have? Well said. Absolutely, Roger. It's not that everybody has to have the same experience. Everybody has the same salvation. Everybody yeah. has the same Holy Spirit. Everybody has the same word of God. And so that's adaptable to us. And I spend time, a couple of chapters in the book, teaching people how to develop that place of learning how to uh, operate from heaven's perspective down. It's a supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so I just really pray that every single listener now would open themselves up. That's step number one, is even if this is entirely new to them, at this moment, they realize, well, there's something there. Maybe I can have that and it'll help my life and it will empower me because empowered Christians transform the world. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Mike Thompson, the book is called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective is the subtitle, and I highly recommend it. We've got it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Nothing but five-star ratings on Amazon, and I can understand why. Uh, Mike, thank you for sharing your fantastic vision for ministry with us, uh, praising God for what he showed you and what you're teaching us through this writing of this brand new book. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Appreciate the opportunity, Roger. God bless. Well, that is certainly a fascinating conversation and a really intriguing concept. And I'm grateful that we got a chance to get to know Mike Thompson today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, the book is called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one but two copies of this book to give away, so you're going to win something. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book is called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective by Mike Thompson, pastor and minister, uh, Bible ministry leader. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look a little bit more at what this third heaven authority really means, because it's important for us to understand, and something tells me, the more and more we see the biblical worldview having less influence in the culture, the more and more we hear that the number of people who are professing Christians who hold a biblical worldview is way, way down. And the, the, the third part of that component is the number of people who believe in moral absolutes, but they believe that they are the standard by which they should be calculated. Well, you can see we do have a bit of a recipe for disaster now, don't you? But let's get into what we as Christians, 
Bible-believing, biblical worldview Christians could do to kind of reverse the tide here um, and whom we should be aiming our thoughts at. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of, it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to pastor and evangelist and apologist uh, Mike Thompson for writing a, a book that just kind of came out of nowhere. I Tamara found it said it to me, said, what do you think about this? It, people are buying this stuff like crazy, and I can see why. This book will guide you to walk into the supernatural authority that Christ has given you. You're going to learn how to view life from a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly one. And the reason why that is important is because of the way the enemy operates. The book is called Third Heaven Authority, Discover How to Pray from Heaven's Perspective. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and two copies of the book to give away. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, give Crystal a call. She would love to hear from you. Before the break, I talked about how, uh, you know, Mike's experience seems kind of unique. I mean, this is a guy who'd been in ministry for 30 years. In 2010, he says the Holy Spirit caught him up to heaven and basically placed him right before the Lord and his angels. And it was during that time that he found, it was amazing. During that time, he said, I really saw the Lord's heart for the love and acceptance of value he has for those of us who are called according to his purpose. Let that sink in for a moment because oftentimes that's a tough one. It's a tough one for a lot of us as human beings. There are many people who profess faith in Christ. There are very few people who live by a biblical worldview. And it's really easy for us in our cynical selves with all the busyness of life going on and financial pressures and everything else that goes with that to be cynical about somebody who says, oh yeah, oh yeah, that guy's always talking, but here are the actions. And you know the whole show me your faith, uh, you say you have faith, show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by the deeds that I actually do. It doesn't mean that your deeds save you per se. All that really means, and I, don't, I, I still don't understand why this is a point of contention between uh, Roman Catholics and Protestants slash evangelicals, is the position is God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him places his faith and trust that his death pays the penalty for our sin and wipes our slate clean. Then we have a newness of life. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us we are motivated because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit into the waters of baptism. We are motivated to partake in the Eucharist. And then we are spurred on to good works through the Holy Spirit in our hearts and the lives of other people. But you have to look at what the motivation is. I, I can, pick me, pick me. Okay, thank you, uh, Mr. Marsh. What would you like to say about this? Let me share something with you about being in this industry. In a couple of weeks, I'll be celebrating my 40th anniversary in broadcasting. And I, I'm actually going to do a whole program on it. <laughs> and I'm super excited about it. That's like two weeks from today. But here, I mean, it's only an hour. It's not going to take that long. And it's kind of fun to wander back to 1983 and reminisce a little bit. But during the time I've been in this industry, especially because first two years I worked in secular radio exclusively, 
Then I started working in Christian media, did that for about seven years. And right around the time that season ended, I started working in network television and Christian radio broadcasting and podcasting. And so I've always had, you know, I, I got to walk in both worlds. And I could see the worldly people who just want to make money and notoriety and stuff like that. Some of them want to do some good things, but you have to look at the motives. You know, God, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. But in the Christian community, I found some people who are as conniving as people in the world, sometimes even worse, and always doing it with the, well, you know, we're Christians here. So, and I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, good Lord, every time I see somebody put one of those composite, you know, look at all these pastors who are pedophiles and look at all these priests and blah, blah, blah. I don't disagree with them. But I just say, hey, look, if you're looking for Jesus in those lives, you're not going to find him, obviously, and unfortunately, because these are people who are using the name of Jesus for profit, but are, they're not living out of real faith. Third heaven authority simply means that you pray the Lord's prayer earnestly. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the motivation has to be more than just, I want what I want here and God will be happy in heaven, but rather what is heaven's expectation for my situation right now? And how does that manifest itself through me here on earth? Because ultimately, there's nothing that you can do here on earth apart from heaven that's worth anything. When Jesus talks about the Pharisees, and, you know, they're out in the street corner and like the best seats at all the, you know, good events and you know, praying out loud and everything. And he says, you have received your reward in full. How horrible is that to think that the best you could get for the efforts based on what God has prompted you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the best you could get is someone going by and going <laughs> on the street corner as you went by or the applause that you get from the crowd, or the congregation saying, Pastor, that was an amazing sermon, or, or your spouse saying, you're the best husband, you're the best wife ever, and that's as far as it goes. Third heaven authority means we pray according to God's will. So it doesn't become thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but rather it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done because what's happening in heaven right now is the most important thing. And how do we bring that to our situation here? Or God, how do you bring it into our lives and then let it flow? Mike Thompson understands that. And for the past decade, you think of the 30 years of ministry after that point, I would say, gosh, why, Lord, why now? <laughs> after 30 years of doing it this way, why are you showing me this whole new way? But God has his reasons. And so as we think about being third heaven authority Christians, the eternal perspective first and foremost, and then, so maybe even not that we would ever change scripture, but how about thy kingdom come, thy will be done in heaven and let it be so on earth as well i mean jesus says it right on earth as it is in heaven means it's already happening in heaven we want it to happen here on earth now are we going to change the culture no we're not the culture is careening out of control we heard from rick pearson yesterday god's hand of judgment the judgment has begun you're seeing a lot more pain and pressure that's because the judgment is coming the question is, is heaven coming with it? As we act, as we pray, as we live, we'll see that play out until Jesus comes again. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable. Coming up next as the bottom line continues.